Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. So I want to uh, talk tonight. Um, I want to uh, read a scripture, Psalm 78. I think we're actually going to uh, record this, guys, and I see John with his headphones on. Hopefully, he's not listening to the latest, I don't know, P. Diddy song or something, but uh, I think he's actually uh, going to make a podcast on it. So, this is our leadership two. This is our second one that we're doing, and so uh, give me a thumbs up if we're actually recording right now, man. Okay, so I need to act professional. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> But I want to talk about last time. I want to talk about last month. It really was a great leadership night. I just sensed God in it. We, I don't know. It was just one of those nights, it felt like. And I just want to reiterate a couple of things that were said. And then I want to hit a few things that I think are important housekeeping type duties to make sure that the pasture in our church is healthy. As in when the, the sheep feed, is it healthy? And then I want to talk about uh, really one particular thing is growing in confidence as a leader. Uh, as, as I've led over years, I actually notice when you first put people into leadership, most of the time they don't deal with pride. They deal with, I can't. Moses dealt with, I can't. Lord, I stutter. I can't do it. Now, occasionally you'll deal with pride, but actually a lot of leaders really deal with insecurity. And one of the reasons that they're ineffective or not as effective as they could be is because they're not seeing themselves actually to be effective, right? There's a difference between confidence and cockiness. God actually wants you to be confident. Saw a pastor the other day and he invented the word godfidence. All of us need a little godfidence in our life. Does that make sense? And uh, so from last month, are you living called or are you a scheduled volunteer? Are you living called? The Apostle Paul was called. And sometimes in Christian circles, hear a lot about balance. Oh, I'm, yes, brother, living balanced. And then the Apostle Paul goes, this one thing I'm doing doesn't sound very balanced. He wasn't just, oh, I'm just balanced in my relationships. I'm very balanced in my schedule. I believe in balance, but at the same time, I really believe in focus. And uh, the Apostle Paul would challenge our balance sometimes. Jesus would challenge our, our balance theory sometimes. He said, seek first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says everything else comes into line and into balance, but he doesn't just say, work on your balance. Yeah. He actually says, seek first, yeah. right? So first seek God, first go pray, then do the other things in your day. And then it seems like the rest of your day seems to work out better, doesn't it? Yeah. Right, So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me share a scripture with you. I, I think it's a brilliant scripture. I heard it recently. Psalm 78 verse 72. Psalm 78 verse 72 says this. Um, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. I want you to notice two things. He led them and shepherded them with a right heart and then he did it skillfully. So whenever you're talking about leadership, you actually have to talk about heart and you have to talk about skill. It's not one or the other. Now, if you have a great heart, how many know you can grow in skill? Now, if you have all the skill but you have a wrong heart, you need some heart surgery. 
And I would actually say this, that the call of God and serving God along the process of time actually deals with both. Um, sometimes you get into ministry or you start serving Jesus. You go, I'm going to make a difference for Jesus. And then you think you've got a right heart. And he's like, wait a second. You're like, oh boy. So serving will prune you. It just will. Serving consistently will prune you. Serving and, and you didn't seem to get promoted and you thought you were going to get promoted. Like it will just prune you over time. Are you with me? And so it's, it's important that we talk about that. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands, he led them. So I want you to take a few notes today. Um, and this is just a few thoughts before I get into how do you grow in confidence. Um, I want to say this today. Number one, disciple people don't control people. Disciple people don't control people. Discipling means you really love them. Discipling means you're for them. I would even say this to you. Take the pressure off yourself when it comes to discipleship. Live for Jesus and you'll actually find as you live your life that other people get around you and they seem to go, oh, that's how they do it. And they just move. Um, Years ago, probably five years ago, it was one of those great conversations I had with a pastor called Pastor Eric Eisenhart. I met him at one conference and then the next conference I saw him again and he casually said this to me. He kind of goes, Anthony, I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And he said, and I feel like, you know, if you kind of just need to call anytime and call me once a week, call me once every two weeks. And just if you ever just need some counsel, ever just need, feel like you even need a bit of a spiritual dad or something like that sometimes. He said, just, I'm just making myself available. And he actually told me later that he was actually nervous about it because he didn't want to come across like, Anthony, I'm going to be a spiritual dad to you. Because if he would have said it like that, it would have been weird. But he kind of came alongside and just relationally and connected wise, basically said, you know, if you feel like you just need kind of a conversation and a spiritual dad sometimes, I just want to let you know I'm here for you. And it was very like, okay, balls in your court. You can call me whenever you want. I began a relationship with him and I'd call him sometimes and head down to True North and spend some time with them and different things. But it was very relational. I haven't called him in a little while, but I'll text him and so forth. And, and I would say that discipleship really is a lot like that, right? Um, I, it, it can be, now if you mentor people and they say, hey man, I want to mentor. You're like, awesome, let's do it. Let's, let's mentor. But I would probably never say to someone, uh, you're going to be my disciple, it just feels weird, right? I'm going to help you grow spiritually. I'll do my best to help you. I'm going to help you up. I'm going to, whatever you need, I'm here to help you. That actually is discipleship. But I would never say to someone, I'm going to be a spiritual, I'm going to, be a, a, I'm going to disciple you, right? Unless they said, hey, I want you to disciple me. Then I'm like, cool. Why? Because it was out of their heart. Does that make sense? And then someone said to me recently, this was kind of a funny moment in church, I walked past and some people were counting the connect cards and someone said to me, hey, father. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, I didn't realize we were Catholic. <laughs> and we laughed about it. It's really this funny moment. Where, and, uh, and she was like, I meant pastor, but she said father. Um, because if you go around calling yourself a spiritual father, it actually just becomes sometimes a bit strange. It has to flow out of their heart they put you, uh, they in essence place themselves under you 
right, relationally, yeah. right? And then it becomes very, very natural. Because you may have, listen, be a mentor, be a discipler. Fernando is a great discipler, but it has to always come out of the heart of the person who needs to lean into what he's giving them. Yeah. Does that make sense? And yeah. that, that happens across all of our church, right? Transform groups are discipleship-making groups. Sometimes you don't even have to tell the men we're discipling you. It's happening anyway. We're just leading them down a path, leading them down a path, leading them down a path. I'm f- and, and here's the thing. You have to keep following. You'll, you'll always go wrong if you're not following. Um, disciple people don't control people. Number two, prophesy, don't push. Prophesy, don't push. First um, Corinthians 14 verse 3 says that prophecy is for strengthening, it is for encouragement, and it is for comfort. Those are the three. Listen, strengthen, encouragement, comfort. Um, I'll never say to anyone in our church, um, you, I think you're meant to marry you. I, don't, I, I never say that. I would never say to someone, you're meant to go to Afghanistan and serve Jesus on the front line of battle. I won't be directional relationally, relationally and I'll never be directionally in the call. They have to discover the call of God. Then, a, then a, a person with a prophetic gift comes along. Now, understand this, and I just want to unpack this so that you understand it and so that people who hear these podcasts in time to come understand what kind of church we are. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe there is an office of pastor, prophet, teacher, um, Apostle. Uh, Yacy Potom is really an apostle. There's no other way to describe what happened to him and that 10,000 churches came out of you. 10,000 churches. That's an apostle. Right? Prophet. Someone you can, ha- you can prophesy doesn't mean you're a prophet. The prophet is one of the fivefold ministry gifts. And those fivefold ministry gifts are a... Um, Brian Houston would be an apostle. There's a, there's a man by the name of uh, Steve Penny who has often been a prophet to Brian personally. He operates in the, pro, the, the, the apostles, sorry, the prophet's office. I've prophesied. I don't consider myself yet really a prophet. I'm an evangelist and a preacher. Now I do prophesy, but I don't sit in that office. Does that make sense? Maybe I will in time. I don't know. But I don't think that's my primary thing. Just because you've prophesied once or twice doesn't make you a prophet. Yeah. Right? It means you're operating the gifts. Yeah. Right? It's like I, I, I'm in business and then you meet someone like Steve Jobs and you're like, wait, he's a businessman. Yeah. Do you understand the difference? It's like someone has a business gift. Someone is a monster business guy. Um, Billy Graham was an evangelist, right? He was kind of the evangelist. And so someone else has a one-on-one gift of evangelism. Does that make sense? So I'm just trying to unpack that. And so we prophesy encouragement, um, comfort, strengthening. It'll normally confirm what's already in them or what God is already saying to them, okay? Because many years ago, I had someone tell me, I'm about to go back to America, and he literally prophesies to me falsely. He says, 
He, here's, how, here's how you know it wasn't God. He literally goes, Anthony, he, he told me something. He felt like I was meant to stay in Australia and not go back to America because he said revival's coming to Australia and you need to be evangelist to be it, to, to basically harvest the gifts and harvest what was going to happen. I kind of did, I brushed it off, didn't really believe it. And then he looks at me and goes, Anthony, don't you hear God? You're not meant to go to America. He's forcing me. I'm not receiving it and now he's controlling me and he ends up nine months later doesn't even go to church anywhere and literally went kind of almost crazy because he thought God was talking to him like minute by minute he was like and the Lord sang this and the Lord sang this and the Lord sang this and eventually you get confused because you should probably use some wisdom and he wasn't but it was a moment for me to go oh I had to test what he was saying does that make sense Okay, um, prophesy, don't push. Three, learn to encourage yourself. Learn to encourage yourself and others. How many think it's, it's important to sit in an encouraging environment? Yes. Let me say this real plainly about this. Why? Because you accomplish way more in an encouraging environment than you ever would by yourself. If I said to one of the guys in here, how many push-ups could you do? And you're like, 40. I guarantee if I asked someone who said they can do 40 push-ups and I brought them up here and all of you just start yelling at them, how many think they can probably get to probably 50? Why? Encouraging environment, right? You need to live in an encouraging environment. And if you live in an encouraging environment, you will naturally encourage other people. Your transform group needs to be an encouraging environment. Your team needs to be an encouraging environment. How does that happen? doesn't just happen. You live in the realm of encouragement. When you're discouraged, you go get encouragement. You go find God again and you get encouraged and you come back and what happens? You're filled up to encourage again. Make sense? Um, Number four, find the reason why you should, not why you can't. When it comes to serving Jesus, find the reason why you should, not why you can't. Someone once said, um, the guy who says I can and the guy who says I can't, both of them are right. And it's so true when it comes to church and life and leadership. Let me ask you a question, church. Can we grow as a church? But you might ask that same question in in a church and and it might have been 50 people for 10 years. You'd ask that question, they're like, not sure. Why? Encouraging, encouraging environment is important. Yeah. And so let's make sure that we are always looking for reasons to encourage. You know, someone said to me when Miriam and I were first leading the ministry, um, we were leading a Bible study at his house. I worked six days a week and then I preached on Sunday, the first year of our church, and I was like working hard, right? So I'm teaching tennis six days a week and preaching on the seventh day. So there was no Sabbath. I was violating God's principles. And then the second year, I was like, okay, I'm going to work five days a week and then preach on the sixth day and then I have one day off. Anyway, we would do Bible studies at night and here's what the guy said to me. He was like, you know, when the baby comes along, you can't, you can't be doing this. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you do Bible studies at night, but you and your wife, when, once you have a baby, you're going to have to stop doing that. And I was like, haven't you heard of a babysitter? Or haven't you heard of, I stay home one night and she stays home another night, you switch and alternate? Do you know that sometimes people come up with the dumbest reasons why they can't do what God's called them to do? 
you can do what God's called you to do. You're like, I can't spend time with God. I'd have to get up at five in the morning. So? We'll get up at five in the morning. (laughs) Right? I can't ever go to a leadership because I have kids. You're like, bring them. (laughs) I can't serve because, I don't know, I've got a family. Bring your family. I want to encourage you to bring your family on the journey of building Jesus Church. Right? Be an example. Can I say, Joe Arena, Donna Arena, incredible example of just bringing your family, right, on the journey of serving Jesus. And the girls serve Jesus and they know what a true Christian looks like. Why? Because you guys modeled it. You didn't stay home every night and go, we can't do anything because we're building a family. Building... Now, don't be the kind of person that nine days a week you're in church and your kids never see you and all that kinds of stuff. We don't believe in that, okay? At the same time, like, bring your kids. If you get kids, bring them. And they'll be blessed out of it, actually, right? Live in balance and all that kind of stuff, but look for reasons why you can, not why you can't. How, how many of you have ever thought of, I can't tithe? And then you start tithing, you're like, oh, I could. And then you found that actually, God bless you, 90, a little bit more than your 100, and you actually learned a little bit of wisdom, and then you're like, oh, the Lord was right. <laughs> right? And, and just know that. Look for reasons why you can, not why you can't. Yeah. Right? Um, let me just say this. When we get people, what's your language? Is your language planting people in the house? Or deplanting people in the house? Um, is your language or your lifestyle either helping people's commitment get stronger or is it lessening their commitments? Be careful if people get around you and they have to drop their convictions and they have to drop their commitment to the house of God. Be careful of that, right? Jesus literally said, this is the words of Jesus, so always trust what Jesus says. Ready? He says he gather, you're either gathering or you're scattering. Sometimes I've met leaders who are scattering. Because if you're not moving forward, you start moving backward, and then you start justifying all the things that you thought were okay, but you used to have stronger commitments and stronger com- convictions. Does that make sense? So when I'm moving forward, I naturally move other people forward with me. But if I started moving backwards, and I started moving backwards, and you started moving backwards, and you started moving backwards, eventually you start justifying coming once a month, you start justifying getting drunk, you start justifying smoking weed, you can justify anything. You know that in your own head. You know, you justify living together, you justify all kinds of nonsense. You can justify anything. Sunday, one of my topics was you cannot invent your own truth. You can't. I drove past the church Monday morning and the literal sign on the church said, be courageous enough to live your own truth. And I was like, this is just bizarre. <laughs> I literally Sunday was talking about you don't invent your own truth. He says you do. I think he's wrong. Um, amen. <laughs> Now let's shift to encouragement for a second. (laughs) All right. Was that good? 
I just wanted to give you a few things that I think are just necessary to say, to set the atmosphere. And now I want to talk to you about something that I think is a skill that all of us can grow in. And I believe it's, it's a heart thing and it's a skill thing. So I want to talk to you about growing in confidence. I want to give you four, actually, I'm going to give you six thoughts on how to grow your confidence. Number one is super practical. See yourself do it well. See yourself lead. See yourself have a good marriage. See yourself, I would say that the attack on marriage and relationships is often after a fight, you can't see yourself doing it well anymore. And you have to see yourself do it well. See yourself lead what you're leading and, and do it well in your head. If you're, are you leading a transformed group? Are you leading first impressions? Are you leading kids? See yourself do it well. I know that's simple, but like see it. Because if you can't see it, you won't do it. When God called me to preach, I would be in worship and God would literally, I would see myself speaking in front of lots of people. And then I started memorizing scripture. And as I started memorizing scripture, I'd walk up and down my room memorizing scripture. Like 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And as I had memorized the scripture, it was like I kept seeing myself speak in front of people. I was naturally not a confident person to speak in front of people. I remember speaking in front of people at 11th grade and my cheeks were shaking. When you can see your own cheeks shaking... You've got some problems. There was probably one other guy in my class who was worse than me, but other than that, I think I might have been the second worst. I was like, <laughs> Who would have thought God had later put me on a stage of 10,000 people to declare the blessing of God over people? Right? But here's the thing I felt like God would show me pictures like that. Because I'd have to see myself different. Um, see yourself. If you're, if you're, like sometimes I, you meet people and they're quiet. And they say, oh, I'm very quiet. But why don't you see yourself friendly? Because sometimes you can limit your own life just because you're quiet. Like don't, just don't be an unfriendly quiet person. It's okay to be quiet. Just don't be an unfriendly quiet person. Because then you'll just be an alone person. Make sense? See yourself do it well. Number two, be confident in the scriptures. Be confident in the scriptures. Um, Here's what 1 Peter says. 1 Peter says, 4, says, whatever gift is, use it to serve people. He says, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do it with joy. Now watch this now, verse 10. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever, someone say whatever, whatever whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Now, I said that to say this, I feel like God gave me a very clear call to preach at 19. He spoke to my heart very, very clearly at 19. And so some of you might say to me, Pastor Anthony, I've met many people. You're like, I don't know what my call is. You don't have to have a clear call if you're confident in Jesus and you're confident in his word. Hear this now. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I'm building my church. What is Jesus building? He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
right? He's not hiding. It's a thing that pushes forward. He said, I am building my church. So if I'm a follower of Jesus, what should I do? Build the church. Well, how should I do that? First Peter 4 tells you, whatever gift, whatever gift. Well, I pastor, don't feel very gifted. Okay, what's your gift? You've got, I've got this gift, I've got that gift. Okay, so use that gift and that gift to go serve people. So if you believe in Jesus, believe in his word, now all of a sudden you've got confidence to serve. Does that make sense? So I don't need a burning bush Moses experience. I don't need to walk in and bushes are burning everywhere just to like go and serve in kids somewhere. Whatever gift you have, use it to serve people. Whatever gift. Don't feel very gifted. Whatever gift. How many of you have a gift? How many of you have? Probably two or three or four. Some of you are not sure. I promise you, you have two, three, four, five significant practical and spiritual gifts. All of you are gifted. Say it with me. I'm gifted. Now again, sometimes because of our upbringing, we sometimes kind of saw other people who seemed more successful, more this, more that, and we undervalued our gift. And I was just praying for someone, and I just kind of had this picture as I'm praying for them that it felt like they were undervaluing who they were. But God has to come alongside us, heal us, bind us up a little bit. This is why he binds up the brokenhearted to let us know that our gift actually is significant and our personality is significant and God has made us unique to be us. Because think about every team in our church. From the parking team, the first impression team. I couldn't think of a team in our church. I'm like, "Uh, that's not needed. I'm like, no, the first impression team is needed. Greeting team is needed. Worship team is needed. Security team is needed. Especially if something bad happens, it's needed, right? I mean, just begin to think about all the teams in our church. There isn't one team you're like, (laughs) what are they even doing? No, it's all needed. How many, how many know Sunday morning like hospitality team? Woo! Needed. <laughs> needed or just blessed? Whichever one. I mean, just... Out. Can we give it up for our hospitality team? By the way... Number three, passionate people are confident. Passionate people are confident. Because if you're passionate... You don't really care. You just show up. I'm going to greet everyone. And you might be terrible at it, but you're passionate. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And even if like, let's say you're about to go teach kids and you're awful at it, but you're passionate, you're going to find out a way to get better at it. And so passion fuels and you've got to fuel your passion. We have to stir up our passion. Paul told Timothy that by the, uh, he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command, not just like some instruction. He says, in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well. And he recalled the prophecies and he recalled the gifts. And he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, for this reason, he says, I'm reminding you to stir up the gifts of God that's in you. So you've got to stir your passion, you've got to stir your gift. Sometimes before I get up to preach, I lay my hands on my belly and go, Lord, just stir my gift to preach. Stole that from Bishop Jakes. Pretty good guy to steal it from. Right? He lays his hands on his belly and goes, Lord, stir me to preach. Do you know enthusiasm actually means to be filled with God? The word enthusiasm, if you go back in the Latin, 
where that word came from, it actually meant to be filled with God. Ha ha. Get filled. Make sense? I heard a story of uh, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. Someone was running to one of his church services. And someone else was running, uh, was yelling after him. He said, where are you running off to? He says, I'm going to go here, Charles Spurgeon preach. He says, you believe that guy? He says, no, but he believes what he says. So he was going to hear someone preach who believed what he said. He wasn't even sure he believed yet. Passion stirs us up, right? Passion gives you conviction. Passion, there's something about passion, isn't there? And you've got to get passionate and you've got to stir it up. And, and sometimes you've got to do whatever it takes to get passionate. And you've got to sometimes get up earlier and stir yourself and get around passionate people and stay, around, stay away from negative people. Yeah. My goodness, I, I, I got together with someone actually who's almost rarely come over our house, but he came over our house Sunday. And I, I had just one of those great conversations. You know, a great conversation. You just know you feel like you're stirring him up a little bit and just encouraging him and stuff. He's just around too many negative people. He just needs encouragement. He just needs someone to come alongside him and stir him up because it's like, a, it's like putting a wet blanket on someone. Like Marco's a passionate guy about entrepreneurialism. He's going to make it happen. But what if you just put a wet blanket on Marco and you put out the passion and you see him later, how's business, man? You're like, okay. Okay. You know, when you show up to church and someone says to you, hey, man, how are you? Okay. Okay. If you're a leader, what you just told people was, um, I'm not passionate. They just caught you're not passionate. Because, listen, be real. Show up and sometimes, to be honest, a little tired, but I'm going to get there. Right? There's a difference between had a rough week, baby didn't sleep, worked 48 hours, I'll get there, don't worry. But when you first show up, you're like, oh, a bit tired. Let's have three glasses of coffee instead of just one, right? And get yourself to a place where you're actually positive, right? If you imagine the worship team just gets up there. It's like, I was tired all week, guys. <laughs> and you're like, okay, like why? Is that, does that make sense? Sometimes you've got to slap the weasel within. That's what Phil Pringle says. John Wesley says this, the nature of fire is to go out, feed it. The nature of fire is to go out, feed it. Feed it. Feed it. Feed it. You catch a fire from some people, but you have to feed it. I caught, I caught a fire at 18 years old. I caught a fire. That fire does not just stay all by itself. You have to feed that thing. If it's the authentic fire of God, you catch it, but you must continue to feed that thing. I don't wake up passionate every day. That's an absolute facade to think that sometimes. Sometimes my wife will actually say to me uh, on Saturday night, she's like, baby, are you passionate about? Are you, are you excited about what you're going to talk about? And I normally tell her, I'll get there. Because sometimes I'm still working on the message, still tweaking it, not sure have I really got what I'm actually going to say yet. And if you haven't got what, you have, what you're going to say yet, you're not passionate yet. Because you're still like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> does this work? <laughs> and until you get sure, then you can get passionate. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Sometimes, like even when it comes to your career, like decide on something. And then if that sucks, figure it out and go somewhere else, right? But you know, you ever met someone, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Don't stay like that for 20 years because it'll kill your passion. Like follow something that's passionate. Does that make sense? All right, number three, passionate people are confident people. When I get in front of men, I just get more passionate. I really do. It's like the Lord just ignites the fire in me. Did I do three? Yeah, I was just saying it again. Passionate people are confident. Yeah, I'm passionate about three. Passions four, five, and six. You know, the truth is when it comes to passion, if you've got the passion, you'll figure it out. Hey, get passionate. Get passionate about growing as a leader. Get passionate. I don't like books. Then, right, listen to a podcast. I don't like podcasts. Well, how are you going to grow? It normally doesn't, you don't just roll out of bed and go, oh, I grew. That happened when you were nine, not when you're 29, right? (laughs) Number 10, passion. (laughs) No, number four. Keep your character strong. Keep your character strong. 1 Timothy 1.19, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Listen to what he held on to. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Look, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Jesus is a shame lifter. But I got news for you. If you're drunk Saturday night and you show up Sunday morning, you actually feel bad. And if you keep doing that, you're going to keep feeling bad. So you're either going to change it or your passion's literally just going to wane. You can't be having adultery and passion about your wife. Right? The conscience is getting messed with. So if you feel like character-wise, you feel like you're losing in some areas, there is healing. James chapter 5 tells us the, the, the method here. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. It's not always telling God is not always enough. Because for some reason, telling God, it's interesting, we, we would rather tell a holy God our mistakes than very unholy people. But he's holy. Now, we should tell him, out, confess your faults to the Lord, First John 1, 9 says. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's great. He cleans you. But sometimes when you're really dealing with something, if you're really breaking boundaries you shouldn't be, if you're really struggling in some areas of lust, temptation, sexuality, if you're really dealing with just all kinds of stuff, talk to someone. Don't bury it on the inside. You need to be, um, don't share it with everyone. Right? Don't share it with everyone. There's one person, two people, that, that the right people, and I will say this, I was ch- ch- chatting to someone recently that was really ha- having some tough times in their marriage, goes to a different church, and I said, be careful you're not chatting to people about your struggle in marriage to have an affair by people who are, have had affairs because they would be like, well, you know, we all make mistakes. No, 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 you you don't need to hear that right now. You actually need to hear about someone going, hey, no, don't mess around. 
someone came a little while ago to Miriam and, and literally wanted to leave their husband and shared with Miriam like, hey, I just think it's not working out, not sure that we're compatible. Let me tell you, you came to the wrong girl. <laughs> she was like, oh, ching, a ching, a ching. <laughs> now they're doing great actually out of an encounter with God and literally the Lord's changed her heart but sometimes we just lie to ourselves and we tell ourselves all kinds of stuff and oh, I can do this and I can do that and, and be careful because you'll actually affect your confidence. Does that make sense? Be confident in Christ but that does never mean shifty character. When the IRS comes knocking, you'll be glad you had character. Right? I mean, just think of that simplicity. My wife can look at any text message, any email I send. I don't care. Why? Because I'm not hiding anything. And that gives you confidence. Right? Keep your character strong. Number five, as a leader, know what you want to accomplish and communicate it clearly. I mean, this is not rocket science, right? What do you want to accomplish? And then communicate it clearly. Say it, spray it, wheel it, deal it, make people fuh, fuh, fuh. feel it. Love that line. When someone shows up to Kids Alive, what's the experience that they want? When sh- someone shows up in our First Impressions team, when someone comes to church for the very first time, what's the experience that you want them to have? Like when you're leading a transform group, what's the experience you want them to have in your circle? Connection, right? Authenticity, growth. Then when they're not there, text message. Hey, man, praying for you. Thinking of it. How you doing? Can I help you? Anything, right? Communicate it. Think about what does it mean to be a part of your group? What does it mean to be a part of this, this house? And as you lead any team in our church, then as you think about it clearly, communicate it clearly, then you'll know how to lead. Because here's the thing. If you ask a strong leader to come to your team and you're not leading it strongly... They will kind of look at you like, what's going on? Carolina, like, if, if, if Carolina's kind of looking at you like, I don't know what to do, and that person's a strong leader, they'll go, oh, this is the wrong team for me. But if she, and she's always on point. She's like, I'm like, you've got it, details. They'll be like, okay, she knows what she's doing. Does that make sense? Last one, and this is really practical, and this is a bit of homework. What would a great leader do in your current level of serving or leading? Ask yourself, this is more of a question. What would a great leader do in your current level of serving or leading? And if I ask myself that question, that has helped me many, many times. For 30 days, I prayed about our Believe and Build Foundation before we ever started it. And I realized after 30 days, the reason I didn't want to start the Believe and Build Foundation was I was afraid to start it. And then I realized the reason I couldn't not do it was because I was afraid to do it. Because what if it didn't go well? What if people just thought, you know, we're just all about money or something? What was I? I was afraid. Had to ask myself, what would a great leader do? I was at a funeral one time and... I asked myself, for some reason, I went away to pray. I was feeling all kinds of internal dialogue. It wasn't just a set funeral. It was a memorial on a beach. And then someone was like, hey, are you going to talk? And I was like, I I mean, I talked at the funeral. What else do you want me to say? And I'm like, shoot. You know, sometimes ministry, there's no book 
that says, this is what to do when they say this. There's like, oh crap. And I went for a walk. I, I went to pray for about 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, I've never had this thought before. I literally went, what would Rick Warren or Stephen Furtick do? And I was like, oh, they would definitely share the gospel here. And they'd be bold. And I literally, two minutes later, walked into the place and they just kind of said, you're the pastor, you talk. <laughs> and it was that opportunity, it was that question that helped me. Because to be honest, I, I would have said to them, I already did my talk. I was about to say, like, I did my talk, I, I, that's all I got to say. But it was a different environment and I got to lead boldly because I asked myself the right question. Does that make sense? Yeah. Especially if you've plateaued in any area of our church, if you feel like, man, the, the volunteers are just struggling and different stuff, ask yourself this, what would a great leader do? If you answer that question, you'll often find the result. Yeah. Maybe they just need to feel like you love them more. Maybe you need to connect to them more. Maybe they need clearer direction. Maybe they need training. Maybe you need to show up with just a great attitude. Maybe you need to show up with a great attitude for nine months until you change the culture of the team you're leading. Because yeah. it might, it doesn't take one Sunday. Yeah. If you've shown up with a bad attitude to a team for about a month, guess what? That'll probably take you about three to six months to actually change it. Because they just caught your infection. Yeah. <laughs> show up every day with a positive attitude. Or people will text message you. Okay, was that good? Yeah. All right, stand to your feet. Yes. My love wants to say something. Guess what month it is? And guess what happened last October? It's our one year. Yeah. So not this weekend, but next weekend, we're actually doing a huge party here at church. So on Sunday, October 19th, we're celebrating one year at King's Court. So we're going to have cake. We're going to have a celebration. It's going to be a big, I was going to say something really funny. It's going to be a big, awesome party. Okay. And so on Sunday, we're going to have great decorations and it's just going to be fun. So invite people to come to it and just say, Hey, we're celebrating one year at King's Court. It's not one year of Church Alive. It's one year of God's faithfulness, believe and build, got us here, your generosity, amazing people, vision got us here. So we're excited about that. So spread the word. It'll be up on social media, hopefully in the next 48 hours and it's going to be good. That's all. I forgot to say that earlier. Thank you. Come on, who's excited about that? Isn't that good? Point number seven, passion. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for an amazing, amazing, amazing group of people. Thank you for every gift. Thank you for who they are. Thank you that you love all of us. Thank you, God, you're passionate about us and you're passionate about people, and you're passionate about your church. God, help us always connect to that passion. Help us live that passion. Help us have hearts that integrous, and then giftings, and, and strong minds as well. God, help every single person. So I pray for myself. 
I pray for every pastor, every our worship team, our kids team. I pray for our church. I pray for every transform group leader, group builder, women, men, freedom, finance, every single one, every dream team member, every dream team in their departments, in every area of our church. God, anoint us, I pray, with passion. And then give skillful hearts. Open our eyes where we need it. Open our heart where we need it. Fill us where we need it. Heal us where we need it. We need you, Jesus, I pray. And then, oh God, move across, Lord, not just our church, but move across New Jersey. Move across America. Lord, every church we're connected to, I speak the blessing of God over them too. Lord, in Jesus' name, C3 Church and Wave Network and Champion Network. Oh, I just pray for them today that you'd pour out your spirit upon them. Lord, in Jesus' name, anoint us fresh in you, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Anoint uh, people's businesses tomorrow. Lord, get let God ideas happen in this house, I pray. Lord, anoint mothers and fathers. Anoint right people to get together. Lord, anoint marriages, I pray, in Jesus' name. Lord, we'll give you all the praise. Come on, one more time. Let's give the Lord a hand.